million. Uh, however, his inheritance was subject to some very unusual circumstances. First of all, he had to choose whether he wanted to receive his inheritance in Chile or Brazil. He chose Brazil. Unhappily, he found out that in Chile he would have received his inheritance in a land grant, which that land had just been found to have a gold and silver mine discovered on it. Once he got to Brazil, he was again presented with a choice where he had to receive his inheritance in either coffee or nuts. He chose nuts. Uh, too bad for him because the bottom fell out of the nut market and uh, coffee doubled in value. Having pretty much lost everything that he thought he went there to gain, he had to sell his watch to buy a plane ticket home. With the money from his watch, he had just enough money to buy one plane ticket, and he had two choices. He could either fly to Boston or New York. Well, he chose Boston. The New York plane pulled up, and it was a brand new 747. The plane going to Boston on the other side of the terminal was a 1928 Ford Tried motor filled with screaming children and two tethered goats and one, <laughs> one chicken. As they were flying over the Andes, one of the engines fell off the plane. Fred felt that it was really due to his, his own jinx. He said, I'm a jinx. It must be my fault. And he thought, surely, like the Jonah of, of old, he said to the pilot, just throw me overboard. The pilot said, well... Here, take this chute, and gave him a parachute and tossed him out. He was flying towards the ground, and he pulled the chute. The chute came out, but half of the cords broke, and he was falling at a descent greater than uh, he was not going to make it. So he cried out to heaven, said, save me. A great hand reached from the portals of heaven and... Uh, snatched him in the air and said, was that St. Francis or St. Xavier that you were wanting? <laughs> so, choices. Every choice we make impacts our life. Well, we laugh at this humorous story and the ultimate, uh, you know, just obviously a funny, funny story, the choices that this man named Fred made, but... Often we don't realize the, the importance of even the little choices that we make, how important they are. The reality is the vast majority of our life has been shaped and made up of our own choices. It is a result of what we chose to do. Now, sometimes you cannot control what comes into your life. There are those things that come at you and there's nothing that you could do about that. But you do choose how you're going to react or respond to it. You choose what your reaction and what your response is going to be. I'm going to ask you tonight several things just to think about what we need to choose. And first of all, we need to choose the Savior over sin. In our life, each and every day, we're presented with the choice. Mark 8.36 says, What shall profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Mark 8, 37, or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? It, beloved, it starts with choosing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I would, uh, by and large, believe that the crowd tonight is 
familiar with and probably by your testimony would say, well, I know Jesus as my Savior, but it doesn't end there. If you'll see in Romans chapter 6, verse number 13, another familiar verse, but he says there, neither yield to your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Paul gives us here the obvious choice. He says, don't yield your members unto unrighteousness. Don't yield your members unto sin. It's a choice that you and I make. And although we're saved and on our way to heaven, it's a daily choice that we have to pick up our cross. A daily choice where we decide if we're going to yield to sin or yield to righteousness. And the results many times are those things that we end up in or places we uh, take ourselves to because of the choices we make. If you find yourself many times in a place that you didn't want to be, the question could be asked, well, why'd you go there? Paul is giving us clear instructions to yield to God instead of sin. You know, the character of man is built on the little choices that he makes each and every day. We each and every one of us would like to think that in the big decision, I mean, when it really matters, we're going to do what's right. Probably not. If you don't do what's right, when it doesn't really matter. You know, we think in our heart and mind, well, if I was faced with that choice, I certainly would do right. But did you do right with the choice you were faced with this morning? You see, our character is built, who we are as an individual. Phillips Brooks said this, character may be manifest in the great moments, but it is made in the small ones. Those great moments, those defining moments for a person's life. Yes, your character is revealed then, but your character was built in the small decisions that you made each and every day. The small choice to choose to do right when you could have done wrong. To choose to uh, yield your members to righteousness instead of yielding your members to sin. Each of those small choices, they shape your life and those around you. The American Dictionary of the English Language defines character as the stable, distinctive quality built into an individual's life that determines his response regardless of circumstance. It is a built-in response, a way that you're going to act regardless of the circumstance. There's way too many situational ethics being excused away today. If it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. There's far too many people in their lives trying to say, well, you don't understand my situation. My situation's a little different or, or, oh, I know it's wrong, but now it's my family that we're talking about. Now it's my son or daughter or my mom or dad, and, and those situations are the hardest to deal with. But if it would have been wrong for somebody else's son or daughter or mom and dad, it's wrong for your son or daughter or mom and dad. It right is right and wrong is wrong, and we've got to make choices based on what is right, yield ourselves to the Savior, not to sin. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Every choice we make defines who you are, the good ones and the bad ones. They shape you. You know, Lot made what he thought was an insignificant choice. He thought one day, well, I'll just 
cast my tent towards the greener plains. It didn't seem to be that big of a decision. It was just a small decision in a little segment of his life, but it shaped his life for the future. And ultimately, you know the story of Lot and where it took him. Your little choices could end up costing you everything. The choice to live or look just a little more like the world will surely cost you your salt. Matthew 5.13 says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if a salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Beloved, we need to be like Joshua. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So when you're making the choices that you need to make in your life, I would implore you to choose the Savior over sin. Secondly, I want to implore you to choose to be glad opposed to grumpy. Choose to be glad over grumpy. It is really, it really is a choice. A lot of times people are allowing their circumstances or their situation to dictate what they are and how they act instead of making it a choice to be glad. Revelation 19.7 says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come. Now in the context of Revelation 19.7, the church is gathered, enemies destroyed, the marriage supper of the Lamb is, is present and it's time to sit down. And he's, he's, he's saying, let us be glad this day has come and praise the Lord. And you say, well, uh, obviously when that day comes, we'll be glad. Until then, I'm just getting through. Now, Christians, we ought to be doing better than just getting through. We have a reason to be glad. If nothing else, we can look forward to the marriage supper. But we have the Lord as our Savior and a friend that sticks closer than a brother and, and a, a help in every hour of need. We know that our uh, eternity is secure and that heaven's our home and that God is our helper. We've got a cause and a reason to be glad no matter what the circumstances are. A glad heart is granted to us by God. Psalms chapter 4 and verse number 7 says this, Thou hast put gladness in my heart. More than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. He said, what God did is he put gladness in the high heart that exceeded, that was more bountiful, that was more powerful. It was a gladness that was rooted and settled in my heart that went far beyond when everything was sunny and bright. Amen. When everything was looking good. More than a time when there was money in the wallet and gas in the tank. Boy, there was gladness in my heart. It's a gladness that was granted to us by God. And Christian, that's a gladness that should be present in every believer's heart. Regardless of the circumstances that you're facing or whatever you're going through, we need to purpose in our heart and decide to be glad. Amen. To make that choice to be glad. It's an ability given to us by God, even in the face of hardship, to be glad. Yet, it is a choice that we have to make. And beloved, it literally is a condition of the heart, not a condition of the circumstances we're in. He said, thou hast put gladness in my heart. Has God put gladness in your heart? This God has given us the ability to be glad. 
you know that old commercial, don't get mad, get glad. <laughs> and, then, and then your friends, you know, when you were really mad at them, your, your friends would say, don't get mad, get glad. <laughs> and you'd be ready to throw something at them, right? <laughs> don't get mad, get glad. Or maybe, maybe your friends didn't do that to you, but they just did it to me. You know, here, I'm going to tell on myself, uh, when... This is, it's, it's actually more embarrassing that we actually did this than what my name was. But uh, our football team, don't ask me why, but our football team, we all adopted uh, names from the Smurfs. So all of the guys on the football team had Smurf names. And we actually painted them on our jerseys. That was our name. We were, every, every, Smurf, every guy on the team had a, a name from the Smurfs. And uh, mine was Grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> So my dad called all the team in and kind of got onto them and said, that really wasn't very nice for you guys to call Caleb Grumpy. I said, it didn't bother me. <laughs> he said, well, I thought maybe it offended you a little bit. I said, nope, I don't mind being grumpy. <laughs> it's, it's a sad truth. But the fact of the matter is, is you know, you kind of get known by what your personality is. And I, I had a problem as a young man just being grumpy all the time. They're like, oh, what's the defining characteristic of Caleb? Yeah, he's a pretty grumpy guy. And you can, you can change that. I know when I told you that, you were shocked. You're like, no way. Surely not. I, I don't believe it. Say it's not so. That don't get mad, get glad, that, that, of course, was a play on words. And the idea was that, you know, you don't have to get mad if you get the glad bags because they don't break. But if you get the other bags, they're going to break and you'll get glad. Uh, you'll get mad, right? Well, you shouldn't get mad either way. That's what we're talking about tonight. It's still a choice. Even if the bag breaks and everything falls out on the ground and you have to have your kids clean it up. <laughs> Even if that happens, <laughs> don't get mad. <laughs> get glad. It's a choice that we make to be glad. When you choose to do right, you're choosing to be glad. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 9 says, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness. Has God anointed thee with the oil of gladness? You have cause to be glad even in the face of a broken trash bag or whatever it is that comes into your life. We have a reason to be glad. Francis Schwartz told this story. Jerry was the kind of guy that you love to hate. He was always in a good mood. It didn't matter what was going on. He always had something positive to say. When someone would ask him how he was doing, he would reply, if I was any better, I would be twins. <laughs> Seeing his style of leadership really made me very curious, so one day I went and I asked Jerry about it. I said, I don't get it. You can't be a positive person all the time. How do you do it? Jerry responded each morning when I wake up. I say to myself, Jerry, you've got two choices today. You can choose to be in a good mood or you can choose to be in a bad mood. And I choose and I tell myself to be in a good mood. Each time something bad happens, I can choose to be a victim or I can choose to learn from it and I choose to learn from it. 
Every time someone comes to me complaining, I can choose to accept their complaint or I can point out the positive aspects of life and I choose the positive side of life. Yes. Yeah, right, I said. It's really not that easy. He said, yes, it is. Life is about choices. When you cut away all the junk, every situation becomes a choice. You choose how you react to situations. You choose how people are going to affect your mood. You choose to be in a good mood or a bad mood. The bottom line is, it's your choice. It's your life. I wonder if when something happens, we would actually pause for a minute and be the dictator of our emotions instead of being the victim of our emotions. If we would pause and say, okay, I got two choices. I can do what I want to do right now, blow up and throw things. Or I can choose to be glad. When a trial or struggle, whatever it is, stop and pause and just think. You know this, the old saying, before you say something, count to ten. You know, just be careful about what's coming around. Maybe before we allow emotions to take over our heart, we should pause and say, okay, I got a choice. I got a choice here. How am I going to respond? Choose to be glad, not grumpy. Lastly, this evening, I want you to choose to be thankful, not thoughtless. Choose to be thankful, not thoughtless. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 2, he says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boaters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. It truly is a sign of one who is selfish, who is completely thoughtless, when he fails to express any thankfulness. We need to have a heart of gratitude. We need to be thankful people. This is hard for me to, breathe, to believe, but I read Samuel, what I believe is Leibowitz. Uh, he was a criminal lawyer. And after he was a lawyer for a number of years, he became a judge and ruled in many cases. Throughout his career, he saved 78 men from the electric chair. Not one of them came back and thanked him. It's a choice you make to be thoughtless or thankful. It would, it would drastically change our perspective on life if we would choose to be thankful. Just as we talked about this morning, we're not going to take time to turn and look at it, but in Luke chapter 17, we have the nine who did not choose to come back and show their thankfulness. What about the Jews? Jesus Christ came to his own and his own received him not. They weren't thankful. The thankful heart, beloved, is always looking for what he can do because of what has been done for him. You see, the, the problem is, is like we talked about this morning, the idea we begin to get to the place where we have an expectation. I, I started doing a little bit of study on the effect of, and I don't know when, probably some year in the future, but the idea of how pride impacts our thankfulness. Because a proud person doesn't want to be thankful. A proud person doesn't want to acknowledge help from somebody else, doesn't want to acknowledge what somebody's done for them. They feel like they deserve it. 
that it ought to be, that somebody ought to do that for them. And so if they didn't, then they would be in trouble or would be looked at as, well, you, you didn't do what you should have done instead of just being thankful. You know, this would transform some marriages because we come to the place where we just expect the socks to be in the second drawer from the top. That's just where they're supposed to be. I wonder when's the last time you paused and said, thank you for doing the laundry and putting the socks. You know, I'm kind of a little bit type A. Not real bad, I don't think, but I've got certain things that I like. Like when we got married, I had a particular way I wanted my T-shirts folded. Like... (laughs) It's my T-shirt. I, I like it folded like this. I showed her one time. And then we could go to my house right now. In the second drawer from the top, there's socks on the left and white T-shirts on the right, and they're all folded how I asked 28 years ago. There ought to be some thankfulness for that. There shouldn't just be an expectation that, that she's just going to do it or that he is just going to do it. That he's just going to go to work and, and bring home a check and, and help take care of the needs of the home, whatever, whatever it is. Or that he's just going to do that. You see, we get to the place where we just expect it. Well, that's what he's supposed to do for me. Boy, if, if there was some gratitude shown, he would want to do more. She would want to do more. There, there, you can uh, begat more of what it is you're looking for if you have gratitude for what you're already getting. How many of you have done something above and beyond and, and you know, you, you don't necessarily do it because you're looking for somebody to say thank you, but it means a lot when they come back and acknowledge and say, hey, thank you so much for that. You know, you do something two or three or four times for somebody and there's not even an acknowledgement. Like you wondered, okay, I sent them $300 and they didn't even let me know if they got it. Like they didn't even acknowledge that it came. And you'd be like, well, I don't know if I'm going to send them any more money. (laughs) You know, but gratitude and showing thankfulness can transform your life. Instead of being thoughtless. Just being thoughtless and not thinking about them and what it is they're doing, and how they've helped you. We just come to expect it all. Well, Francine's story goes on. She said, I reflected on what Jerry said. Soon thereafter, I left the restaurant industry to start my own business. We lost touch, but I often thought about him. I thought about his choice to make his life better each and every day by choosing to be glad. Several years later, I heard that Jerry did something that you're never supposed to do. He left the back door of his restaurant open. Later that day, he was held up by gunpoint by three armed robbers. While trying to open his safe, his hand was shaking from nervousness. It slipped off the combination. The robbers panicked and shot him. Luckily, Jerry was found relatively quickly and rushed to the local trauma center. 
After 18 hours of surgery and weeks of intensive care, Jerry was released from the hospital with fragments of bullets still in his body. Some months later, I saw Jerry, and I asked him, How are you doing? And he said, If I was any better, I'd be twins. Want to see my scars? I declined to see his wounds, but I asked him, What was going through your mind when the robbery was taking place? The first thing that went through my mind was, I should have closed the back door. (laughs) Then, laying on the floor, I remembered that I had two choices. I could choose to live or I could choose to die, and I chose to live. Weren't you scared, I said? He said, boy, the paramedics were great. They kept telling me I was going to be fine, not to worry. They put me on a gurney and wheeled me into the emergency room. However, when I saw the expression on the face of the doctors, I did get scared. Because their expression said, this man is dead. What did you do, I asked. He said, well, there was a big burly nurse there, and she was shouting questions at me. She said, are you allergic to anything? I said, yes, and paused. The room stopped. The doctors and nurses looked at me, and I said, bullets. (laughs) Over, over the laughter in the room, I told them that I am not dead yet. Operate on me as though I am alive and I am going to live. Jerry lived thanks to the skill of his doctors, but also thanks to his amazing choice. That he learned to live each and every day by choosing the better way. You and I have a choice. We can make the choice each day. You don't have to be miserable. You've chosen to be miserable. You can choose to be glad. You can choose to have thankfulness. You can choose to do right over wrong. 